This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. It is Thursday, Raider Nation. It is time for your third edition of Silver and Black today, this week, an Odyssey original podcast. We're here to talk Raiders football with you. Thanks for being with us. Lots to get to. And as always, bring in my broadcast partner, my good friend, the man of the hour, every hour of the day from what he tells me. It is Mr. Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also, NFL slash Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. Mo, we got a little bit of things to talk about here. We had some great, great news. We have some Raider fans who still can't let go of negativity, and we'll talk about that later. But lots to get to here in this show on this Thursday. Wednesday was a whirlwind of information for us in Raider Nation. Yeah, some surprising news coming out Wednesday. Some uh, actually surprising news coming out Tuesday and good news coming Wednesday. Mm. So this show is going to be a very positive show because that's <laughs> what it should be with what will ha- what happen Wednesday afternoon. What do you know? It's about Team Mo. <laughs> All those shows I mean, you weren't I, here during the summer, you should have been there. Yeah, I should have been there for my teammate. I, I apologize for not being a team player and being so selfish. I was holding out oh. for a new contract from Odyssey before I returned. Thankfully, I worked it out with Odyssey, and I was able to return with a new contract. Yes, I had a little bit of a hamstring injury, elbow injury, but I'm okay now. Yes, and uh, we're trying to attempt to keep Mo away from any WNBA players that he might date so that he doesn't miss the show. <laughs> Um, we're, we're trying to do that. He's got his eye on a few there in New York with the Liberty. So we're trying to just, you know, keep them, keep them inside. It's, it's, it's hard to do sometimes, but we're trying to do it. All right, Mo, we'll get to that in a little bit, but first want to start off with, uh, uh, news from yesterday. We'll start with the good news. Well, I, good news. Yes. Uh, the, the other news around the cuts and the roster moves is not necessarily bad news, but we'll get to that. And I mean, it's bad news for those guys, not for us or the Raiders, but let's talk about, Back at practice, Mr. AWOL himself, as he's been dubbed by some, Mr. I am selfish. And of course, I'm saying this facetiously, folks. I don't actually believe that. If you know, if you watch the show, you know that. 
Darren Waller back at practice. Trayvon Mullen off the pup list. Rocky Sin, Jonathan Hankins, all off the pup list. Bilal Nichols off the pup list. Mo, this team got a little dose of health after its first preseason game where we saw its weaknesses on the defensive front. We saw some of the weaknesses on the back end, too. Now all those guys, they jog out to practice on Wednesday. They're going to be ready, hopefully, to see some time on Saturday against the Dolphins. Yes, in addition to Darren Wallace, several defensive players back, several defensive starters back. I remember ending the show Tuesday saying, or Wednesday saying that, hey, you know, hopefully the Raiders get healthy. Hopefully the Raiders stay healthy and they get players back before the preseason game against the Dolphins. And lo and behold, a bunch of players come back. Of course, there's less than a week before players have to come off the pup list before they have to stay on it for four weeks into the regular season. So it's a good sign to get a lot of guys back and get them on the practice field. Uh, Tashawn Reed, the athletic, also said that Darren Wall looked like himself again. So that's a great sign that he's not showing any lingering issues from his hamstring injury. That is very good. And clearly he did not lose his focus watching women's basketball. Okay, sorry. Um, so we're back. <laughs> Trayvon Mullen also, Mo, is back. Sorry, I told you I was full of piss and vinegar today. Um, Trayvon Mullen uh, is back. We talked about that on, on Tuesday's show, not the mailbag show, but on Tuesday's show about the defensive backs, about the cornerbacks in particular that we wanted to see right. them out there, that they needed to get out there. Trayvon Mullen injury. By the way, Trayvon Mullen, for those of you who don't know, he's not injury prone. He had an injury last year. Previous to that, he didn't have any issues with injury. So I don't know where that narrative is coming from, but it's there. I just want to correct that. But having those guys out there with Patrick Graham's defense, being able to rove that back uh, back end and being able to get into shape. I mean, these guys, I don't anticipate them if they do play Mo, which I, I anticipate, I should say, they will play in my view. I don't know why you wouldn't play them unless they're just so far behind um, uh, from being on the list. But, but I think getting them out there at least – for a series would be good just to get back into game speed. Yeah, kind of like how we saw Merrick and Abram play last week. Get them out there for a series or two just to get them acclimated to the speed of an actual game setting wouldn't hurt them. I do still want to see my guy Anthony Averett back, but again, it's mm -hmm. good news that you're, to me, your cornerback one in Trayvon Mullen, who had foot surgery in March, is back, or May is back. And, I, you know, a lot of people say he's battling for a starting role. I, I think he's basically the best cornerback on the roster. And you're correct. That's recency bias. Anyone who says that Trayvon, um, Trayvon Mullen is injury prone is just basically focusing on what happened last year. Because, as you say, he didn't miss a game his first two seasons. And he led the Raiders in pass breakups in, in his first two seasons. So, as long as he's fully back from his uh, foot surgery, he's going to be fine as a CB1. It's a CB2 spot that I'm worried about. Not worried about, but I want to see. Rocky Asin, is he the guy because he has some ups and downs in Indianapolis? Is Anthony Avery going to be back to challenge him? We'll see as the week goes on, but that's the spot I'm looking at in the secondary. And if we look at also on that interior, Jonathan Hankins is back, good solid rotational player for the Raiders. Uh, and, of course, there was cuts on Tuesday as well. In those cuts, we'll get to the surprise in a second, but not surprising, Vernon Butler – uh, and Nate Brooks on the inside, i.e. clearly Jonathan Hankins and Bilal Nichols were coming off the pup list, so the Raiders had extra bodies there. And had they not come off the pup list, they might have kept, I think, Butler at the very least just because he's a veteran. Uh, Jerry Green on the outside let go. Not impressive. 
in, in most of the time that he had with the Raiders. And I think Malcolm Kuntz and his performance kind of tied that up a little bit. And so he was definitely expendable. Also, Tyrone Wheatley on the offensive tackle side of it. Uh, that, to me, was a favor uh, for him to get in and get some looks uh, from other teams. Uh, he was brought into camp, of course, because of the connection there with his father. But nonetheless, no surprise there, Mo. The big surprise, Demarcus Robinson. I'm not surprised that the Raiders cut him. I'm surprised when they cut him. But I think that is a clear indication that this coaching staff, and Josh McDaniels in particular, are happy with the way the other wide receivers like Tyron Johnson um, like Doss, like DJ Turner, especially in this last game, I think he's happy with how they're progressing through camp. You make a good point. It's not about that, the fact they cut him, it's when, because you don't think there are other guys who could have probably got cut before Demarcus Robinson. I think so. I can name a few yeah. off the top of my head. Won't do that because I don't <laughs> want to be. Remember, this is a positive show. I'm keeping it positive today. But oh boy. I, I, someone on Twitter mentioned this, and it's a good point. I think the Raiders let him go so that. As a veteran, he's able to catch on somewhere else well before yeah. the season, maybe get a spot somewhere else. So I think they did him a favor by letting him go and saying, look, you're well behind uh, Matt Collins. You're well behind Keelan Cole. DJ Turner uh, looked good in that last preseason game. Let's let's let this guy go and let him catch on so elsewhere. But it's, it's going to be very interesting because the Rays have another round of cuts next week, and we'll see how that looks once, once they cut it down to, I believe, 80 players. But I think that preseason game is going to be very important for especially players in the running back room. Again, mm -hmm. the wide receiver position is still – there's still a clump of guys there battling for positions. Will the Raiders keep five or six wide receivers? I think the next preseason game will help them decide that. Yeah, and we talked about that earlier in the week too. And, and I think with this situation, again, as we mentioned this week already, it is – it's tough, right? You, you have good players that are performing well overall – and, and you can't keep them all. And so so you're going to have to do uh, those tough cuts, especially starting this week after the Miami game. Uh, but we talked about Malcolm Kuntz on Tuesday. Uh, he certainly has made the impression there, and I think uh, if not locked up, he's pretty dang close to it, uh, having that third spot on the outside. On the inside, though, still looking for answers. And, and I think that um, you're going to have to get, as long as they're fully healthy and given the the red, uh, the green light, Mo, for um, for Saturday's game against Miami. You're going to have to get Bilal Nichols and Jonathan Hankins some some time. They need to get into game shape. Uh, you don't want them to get out there and get hurt again, but you also need to test and make sure they're ready because at this point, th there's been no roster moves yet. Now, after the next round of cuts, I can see the Raiders probably making some signings because then that's when you start to see uh, pretty good players sometimes get cut depending on their situation. They're going to have to figure out what they're doing on that inside of the defensive line, and those guys are going to have to show what they're able to do and where they're at. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, me being Mr. Positivity again, uh, there are reports out there that Bilal Nichols actually looked good on one-on-one, so that's a good sign. Yeah. We already know what Jonathan Hankins can do, but as you said, you want to get those guys out there and just get the again, get the Mac to the speed of the game. Tongue of Iloa Mosa, I think they're going to take a close look at him in this next preseason game because he actually played pretty well last week. I didn't have him in my stock up report on sports, not, but he mm -hmm. had a pretty good game. 
I think he could maybe get a practice squad spot if he plays well. But the defensive line, as you said in, in, in the last show, basically in the trenches, both sides of the trenches, defensive yeah. line, offensive line, we still need answers there. It's just still not clear there who, who are going to be some of the starters and rotational players. So I'm still looking at the trenches when the Raiders play the Dolphins on Saturday. Well, we played a clip on Tuesday from Coach McDaniels where he talked about the depth at offensive tackle, and and you mentioned it's semantics. Yes, you have depth. It doesn't mean you have a quality starter. That depth was hurt. We don't know finally uh, uh, its day-to-day situation, but uh, Munford Jr. was injured, taken off the field on Wednesday at practice yesterday, and so we don't know what that means. So you might see the Raiders – get active again on the waiver wire, depending on what's out there. Also, the Jags cut, we talk about the defensive line, uh, they cut Malcolm Brown. Uh, you mentioned this on Twitter uh, this morning, or I should say Wednesday morning, saying, hey, this guy, eight seasons, going into his eighth season, seven-year veteran, played with the Patriots, uh, played under Graham, who was a linebacker coach at that time, so they're familiar with him. That might be a guy where... If they get these, if they get Nichols and Hankins out there, and they feel like, boy, you know, we need to get somebody who's in a little more game ready, they might end up uh, looking that way. Tell us a little bit about him, and and because of his history with the Patriots, you would think that it might be a natural fit because uh, the the front office would be comfortable with him. Really quick though, you know what burns my biscuits about people oh. when they comment on on cuts. I know I w- this is a positive show, but there's something yeah. that bothers me every time there are cuts. And you suggest maybe the Rays may be interested in a specific player and go and a person will say, well, if that team cut him. Why would the Raiders want him? He's a bum. Right. Oh, yeah. And I always say, you don't know why the team cut the player. It could Correct. be a cap situation. Cause as I noted on Twitter, uh, the Jaguars were able to save 3 million by cutting Malcolm Brown. Who knows? Maybe he asked for his release because that's a new regime coming in there in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Maybe he felt like he didn't fit and that he would, he could catch on somewhere else. So there are, there are a litany of reasons why a team cut, to play is not always basically based on performance solely based on performance so i would if i'm the raiders i would take a look at malcolm brown simply because he can fill a spot in that rotation defensive line because a lot of raiders fans are concerned about the depth there the rotation there and i think malcolm brown could fill a spot as you mentioned he played with the new england patriots he played with the new orleans saints he played with the jacksonville jaguars uh, all seven seasons played between 42 and 62 percent of the snaps he's basically been a starter his whole career still only 28 yep. years old so it's not like he's over the hill um, still basically the end, end portion of his prime. So I think you bring him in if you're interested in him and, and just plug him in. And he doesn't need a lot of reps. He, again, he's a veteran of seven going into his eighth season. So he doesn't need a lot of ramp up time. You could just plug him in and he can get some snaps, some meaningful snaps there and help your run defense. Let's hear it from Moe's Burning Biscuits. Yes. All right. There you go. Yes. Okay. So, no, and I agree with you. I think that's – and we're going to get into it when we talk a little bit um, about the Waller stuff. Let's just do that right now. We got through that, but but the Raiders clearly, their players get cut for all sorts of reasons, like you said, Mo. And sometimes it's it's salary cap. Sometimes it's the player saying, "Hey, you know, it's not working for me here." Doesn't mean that they didn't right. play well. It's just like this isn't a good situation. The team says, "Yeah, you know what? You're not kind of fitting in." Um, who hasn't had a job that they started and they say, "You know, it's not just it's just not the place for me." It's just not everybody's good people. They do good work and all that, but it's not the right culture for me. That happens. And and you'd give it to a veteran, especially they get the opportunity to get cut early, just like the Raiders cut to Marcus Robinson early. It's the same kind of courtesy. It's a professionalism thing. 
And to think that players that get cut early are all bad is terrible because we could go through hundreds of examples, including dozens of Raiders who were early cuts who went on to have good careers. So, so I need that. But with the Darren Waller thing, this gets into your point about the negativity. And I just want to address it because what is wrong with some of you? What is wrong with the fact that you feel that you're a better judge of what a good teammate is or a guy's dedication to the NFL and to the Raiders than his teammates, his coach, and his owner? Mo, I don't understand. People make these judgments, and, I, and I've, I've avoided it because a lot of these are good folks who, who disagree with us on this. But what I want to say is, what about in your what what in your life is 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 making you just so overly negative about the situation? This is one of the great stories in the NFL in the last five years. This guy getting sober and performing like he's performed. So I don't understand what this addiction to toxicity, negativity, and the desire to always have always have negative drama it's not normal it's not healthy and to me it's not being a good fan you know what's odd about this is that a lot of people say the media does this and the media does to a certain extent sure they build a guy up to tear him down i believe that's what's happening here at darren waller you just mentioned he's a great story what he's gone through to make a comeback in the nfl revive his nfl career and it seems as though there are not I would say the majority is positive, but there's a, yes. and I don't want to spend too much time on the negative, but there's a s- small pocket of fans that seem like they just want to tear him down ever since. And I got this vibe last year when mm-hmm. he had the IT band injury. I believe it was his knee and back combined. And he missed a lot of games. He missed several games at the end of last year. And people thought he was milking his injury then. And I, I try to stay away from telling people how a player's injury, how severe or significant their injury is, because I'm not in their body. I don't know what they feel. So I'm not going to try to tell other fans or other people what's in the player's heart as far as their integrity to the team and how they feel on an injury. I just stay away from those things because you have no idea what's going on with a, with a player. But again, I think it's just he, he's been built up to be this great story, and now people are trying to poke holes and tear him down. And, and if you remember, Mo, on the show uh, when we were on the radio in Southern California last year, I said, like, I was like, hey, Darren Waller, if he gets healthy um, and and they can't sign him, then, hey, you, you might even trade him. He would have great value, right? So I never said that, though, because I didn't like the player. I didn't think he could contribute significantly to the Raiders. That was more of a business-type mentality. But you're right with this one, this negativity I don't understand it. And I feel like saying to these folks, all right, come on the show and tell us about where you work. Tell us about who you supervise or who you work with. And can I bring your coworker on and see if you're a good team player? Because, look, look, fans have every right to bitch and complain about whatever they want. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you you can't do it. I'm just saying it's surprising to me that it's this guy and it's over a basketball game. I think it's a lot of the desire for him to get back on the field. They want him back on the field because they're fans and they know how dang good he is. So, so I get that piece of it. But it's time to move on. We're going to move on now on the show because I'm tired of bitching about it. But the people arguing back and forth with me on it, I just you have no validity to your point. No one is angry at the guy except for angry people. And angry people are just angry people. So... We'll leave it at that. Scott, really quick. I want to break up one point, though, because uh, I want to shout this person on Twitter. World Dictator brought up this point, and he said, 
you don't think there's an organizational alignment for Raiders players to support the Las Vegas Aces? And you could probably speak to this more than me. They're trying to build a sports culture out there in Las Vegas. So mm-hmm. with the Aces being, I believe, the number one seed in the W and you know, in the WNBA, there's a support system there. And I'm sure Mark Davis being owner of that team plays into that. You know, if you if you can support the Aces sure. where when you can, because they're trying to again, they're trying to build a sports culture in Vegas. So it goes right. both ways. And I'm sure the Aces are gonna support the Raiders and, and the Knights as well. So there's a lot brewing out there in Vegas and it makes sense. Sure. You support your city. I mean, to me, to me, um, I always say it. I mean, listen, the the players in the WNBA, amazing athletes, amazing athletes. I think the product, I don't like it. I don't watch it. And most people don't watch it. I don't care what people say. You can have 10,000 people in the arena, but in Las Vegas, it's, it's, it's very much beloved. It's doing really well there. They had 10,000 people the other night. And so that bucks the trend in the WNBA. So it is a big deal for the people in Vegas. It's a big deal for Mark Davis because he owns them. And I, the other thing, Mo, do people realize that Mark Davis was sitting courtside at the WNBA game? Do they? No one's it, mentioned context. it. And this is, this is really quick. This is the point about context matters. There are some people who just have a certain viewpoint of what Darren Waller, Darren Waller skipping out in the preseason game, and they're just going to stick to that viewpoint, regardless of what other facts are out there, regardless of the context. But the fact that Raiders players have been supporting the Aces, mm-hmm. Mark Davis owns the team, people, and he that Waller got approval from the team, Josh McDaniels is not making a big deal of it. People are just ignoring all of those factors and saying, no, I, I feel like Waller's wrong for doing this. And they're entitled to their own opinion. They're entitled to their own viewpoint. But I don't go back and forth with those people because you won't ever be able to change their minds, regardless no, I, of what facts you, you throw. Out. No, you're absolutely right, my friend. People are just people like that are going to be like that, and and it's every they have every right to do that. I just think it's a miserable way to live, but that's totally up to them. But again, Mark Davis missed the Raiders game too. He got over for the second half, but he was courtside for the tip off of that game. So, but nobody's mentioned that they're mad and that Mark Davis isn't a team player, right? So, uh, you have to you have to uh, bring that to light of why that's okay and the player because the player wasn't playing anyway. Mark Davis doesn't play, but he's the owner. Shouldn't he be there? Oh well, we'll let it go. Okay, so we are at the end of the first segment. Went by quick, and we got a little uh, like I said earlier, a little piss and vinegar there at the end. When Mo and I come back, we're gonna talk about this full house that the Raiders have in the running back room. It is it is overrunning the brim of the cup uh, with talent and available running backs. And I'm going to add why that's not surprising for Josh McDaniels and uh, that it's expected and that's a pattern of behavior for him. We're going to talk about that. We'll also talk about specifically some of the individual running backs, their roles, why it matters within the system. We've talked about Josh McDaniel's system before. We're going to bring that back up again to frame it so that when we talk about these individual players, you can kind of see what their roles are. So we'll do that. We'll step aside when we come back. That's the discussion. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. 